when we are unified in Christ Jesus, we all can be built up together into strong Christian people who are not tossed to and fro by the waves. Who stand strong no matter what ideologies and truth claims of the world come crashing towards us. We become a church, we become a people who are so strong that people recognize this is a safe place. This is a place to call home. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. Our reading that's going to be the basis of our sermon this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Let's see what the Apostle Paul says to us this morning. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is God's word. Over the past year, I've been really blessed to be able to meet a lot of people. I've entered into relationships with people and I've done my best to keep in those relationships with people. And as I've been able to get to know people more and more and see more and more into their lives, I've seen more and more division. You know, in personal life, in married life, in extended family life, in work life, in, in other social areas the kind of divisions that you're seeing too. It's grown to be something that, that kind of makes me sick to my stomach, the ways that I see that so many people are being separated and divided from one another. I'll tell you what, it, 
it's something that has caused me to be praying hard about today's sermon. Even a month and a half ago, as I was sitting on a plane to Aiken, South Carolina, when I looked at this text for the first time, I already had a pit in my stomach about what this sermon was going to be for us. You see, what we have on tap for today is a teaching on unity. How do we get unity? How do we, as a church, be unified when the rest of the church world and when the rest of the country and the rest of the world is breaking apart at the seams? How do we, in this church, be unified with one another? How do we be what Paul calls us to be? Mature Christians. And a mature church that stands strong even when the winds and the waves of ideologies and truth claims are bashing against us. How do we get that? Paul gives us three priorities to have in our lives. First, they also go in order of uh, the way that the Bible records them, the way that Paul wrote them for us. First is the priority of unity. Second is the priority of the teaching of the church. Third is the priority of God. Three priorities for us to be encouraged by and for us to be called to this morning. The first is the priority of unity. It might seem like I'm stating the obvious here, and I am. But this church and no church and no organization is going to be unified on accident unless we make it a priority. Unity is not a passive thing. If we sit by and wait for unity to happen for us, we're just going to end up with more division. Unity is an active thing, and so Paul gives us active commands. He says, be gentle. It means don't be harsh with one another. He says, be humble. It means think of others as better than yourself. Paul says, bear with one another in love. Don't let anything get between you. And he gets to a climax in his final command. He says, make every effort, make every single effort that you can to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. He says, make every effort at that. Make unity active. Make it a priority. And I want to be clear on this. I'm not offering this sermon to you as a critique of the way that you're living right now. I'm not, and I want to be clear on that. The Apostle Paul isn't offering it as a critique either. He doesn't say restore the unity among you. He says keep the unity among you, and I'm saying the same thing. I'm really proud of the way that this church has been growing into a loving church, a supportive church, a unified church, and I want to do everything that I can as its pastor to encourage it to keep growing in that direction. Two weeks ago, we studied in this sermon series about how Christ has made us, has given us something to be unified around. That when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us something that every single human being in the history of the world has in common. That we are loved by Jesus himself enough that he died on the cross to forgive our sins. Everyone has that in common. But today, I'm asking you to remember and acknowledge 
how much of a propensity for disunity humans have. We live in a, in a culture and, and in a community where uh, division is rampant, and I don't think that's going to change. And so I'm going to offer you a calling this morning as we think about this priority of unity. I'm going to make this call to you as the church here in Tigard. Keep the divisions of the world out of this church. Make every effort at doing that. I'm not saying that you are not allowed to have differences of opinion, because you should. And you should discuss those differences of opinion. We should even be doing that here in the, in the context of the church. But we, what we should never, ever be doing is bringing something into this church that causes another person to look at someone else in this church and say to themselves, I am different from that person. We can never have that. We need to make every effort at keeping that unity because we have one God, one faith, one hope into which we were called, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And we want to keep that unity, that beautiful unity that we have in Jesus that we are forgiven from our sins. So that's my call to you as Hope Lutheran Church this morning. We made it through the first part. Make unity a priority. And that leads us right into our second part this morning. The priority of the teaching of the church. And when I speak about this, I am speaking about the church at large, but you'll see I'm going to be speaking a lot about the priority of the teaching of the local church as well. Um, I want to make an observation, an observation that millions of people across the world have made over the last decade or so, and an observation that has been really important to the foundation of this church as well. That observation is this, that, that so many people right now want to find truth. They are actively looking for truth, but they do not know where to find it or how to recognize it when they see it. It's one of the crises of our current age, right? People want to know, but they don't know how to know. It's a crisis, but, but it's actually a lot worse than that. There's a second crisis that follows on to that first crisis. People want to know, and they don't know how to know, but everybody still thinks that they do know. You have two conversations in two corners of a room. Maybe it's this room. In that corner, you have one conversation. In this corner, you have another conversation there about the same issue. But these two conversations are on the exact opposite sides of the same issue. And both conversations are convinced that they are speaking God's truth. How do you have a unified church in an environment like that? How do you do that? 
Paul talks about the teaching of the church here, the priority of the work of the church, the church as a whole and the church as a local church as well. Paul says that Christ, who has ascended higher than the heavens, who is king of heaven and earth, this Christ who fills all the universe gave a gift to his church for this purpose. He gave apostles and he gave prophets. He gave evangelists, he gave pastors, and he gave teachers. He gave the apostles and the prophets so that they could speak God's word and write it down so that we can have it and study it and apply it. He gave the evangelists so that they could spread God's word to the nations. And he gave pastors. Why did he give pastors? So that God's word could be applied to his children in that local church. You see, every single child of God has the Holy Spirit working in their hearts. But what we see here is that neither Jesus nor the Apostle Paul is telling us that every single Christian at the moment that they become a Christian is fully equipped to deal with all the ideals and truth claims that are going to come at them in a way that allows them to live according to God's will. We're not equipped for that. And so God gave a gift for, to his church for this purpose. I mean, can you think about the gift that that really is? In a time where so many people are looking for truth, in a, in a time when people are looking for a source of truth, God has given to his church this. And you can imagine that I'm a blank face up here as I'm saying these things. God has given to his church a pastor. A pastor who has been called to love you, to care about you, to pray for you, to serve you. He has given to you his church a pastor who has been called to live among you, to serve among you so that you can see into his life, to see that he is not hypocritical and that he is true. And you can trust what he's saying. There are so many voices of truth in this world. And Christ has given to his church pastors so that we can grow in truth together. That talking head on YouTube doesn't love you. They can't love you. They don't know you. I do love you. And that blog post, that blog series can't protect you. I will. And that voice of, of wisdom that interprets the world doesn't pray for you. I do. Think about this gift of pastor that, that Christ gave to his church like this, you know, I love my YouTube app on my iPad. I open it up and immediately I have about 50 videos that have been curated exactly for my tastes and for my entertainment. You know what? I see exactly what I see when I open up my iPad up. I see about 50 videos of Olympics highlights because that's what I want to be watching right now. YouTube has this perfect algorithm set up for Paul Borman that when he opens it up, he sees YouTube uh, Olympics highlights. 
and so that he's entertained and so that he keeps watching and keeps watching ads. A pastor doesn't do that. A pastor does not have any algorithms. He's not set up just to keep you entertained and watching. Sometimes he's going to say things that you don't want to hear. Sometimes you're going to wish he'd be able to close the app or change the channel and you won't be able to. And how is that a gift? It's because the pastor's job is to challenge you spiritually. So that something that the Apostle Paul says can happen might happen for you. That you might be built up in Jesus. There's our second part today. Paul calls us to make a priority of the teaching of the church. It's a gift from Jesus. And that leads us into our third part, the priority of God. And by the way, this is the part of the sermon that makes the whole sermon work. I've been telling you this whole time so far all the things that you must be and that you must do. Now I get to tell you what God is and what God has done for you. Because when I say the priority of God, I'm not talking about your priority of God. I'm talking about God's priority of you. His priority towards you that He would stop at nothing to save you. Have you ever noticed this? That, that when Jesus asks you to do something and to be something, he has already done it perfectly himself. That's the way it always works with Jesus. And he asks us to do some really hard things today. He asks us to be gentle. That is against our nature. It is hard to do. Jesus calls us to do that because he has already been gentle with us. He loves us just as his children. And Paul calls us to be humble. We know how hard that is by nature to be. He calls us to be humble because Jesus has already been humble for us. How humble was he as he hung on the cross for our sins? And Jesus calls us to bear with one another in love. How much has he borne with us in our love, in his love for us? And he calls on us to keep the unity of faith and the bond of the Spirit. It was Jesus himself who created something that we could be unified around in his death and in his life, in his resurrection. When Jesus asks us to do something, he has already done it perfectly. That's how it always works with Jesus. We love because he loved us first. Whenever we do something as a good work intended for the furtherment of Jesus' kingdom, it is because he has already done a good work in creating faith in us. This is how it always works with Jesus. He's calling us to be unified. He's calling us to grow and to become mature Christians. I'll ask you to get even even deeper in here so that we can see why it is that Jesus calls us to be built up 
into mature Christians and into a mature church. Paul uses an absolutely horrifying image to show us what it is like when we are not unified and when we are not strong in our faith. He uses the image of an infant being tossed to and fro by the waves. Adeline is pretty brave as she crawls her way into that zero-entry pool, but you know how long would she last? In the ocean, 20-foot waves, roaring wind. It is a horrifying image. Paul is warning us. He's warning us that, that if we allow ourselves to be like spiritual infants, like we saw in our children's devotion this morning as Peter lost his faith as he looked around at the winds and the waves around him, if we allow ourselves to become spiritual infants, this is what it's going to be like for us. We are going to go to heaven. We know that. We have that promise for us. But if we are going to be spiritual infants, Paul says, we are going to get tossed back and forth. For the rest of our time here on earth, it is going to be a rough ride. We're going to be scared. We're going to be thinking that we're drowning at every moment. We're going to be bruised. We're going to be tossed about. It's going to be a rough ride. You see, it's always out of love that, that Jesus is calling us to do these things, to be gentle, to be humble, to bear with one another, to keep the unity of faith so that individually and corporately as a church, we can be built up into Christ. You see, when we are unified, we build each other up. When we are unified in Christ Jesus, we all can be built up together into strong Christian people who are not tossed to and fro by the waves. Who stand strong no matter what ideologies and truth claims of the world come crashing towards us. We become a church, we become a people who are so strong that people recognize this is a safe place. This is a place to call home. Paul calls us, Jesus calls us to be unified so that we can grow, so that we can grow to know Jesus together. Let's pray about that. Lord Jesus Christ, your great apostle Paul saw his church in Ephesus getting tossed to and fro by the ideologies and teachings of the world. They were infants in Christ, and Paul called them to grow. Lord, for whatever part of us that has happened in our world the same way, we ask that you forgive us and that you restore us. And we trust that you have already done that. And we ask that through this teaching today, through your great apostle, that you would grow us up into Christ so that we can be the church that you have called all of us to be for each other and for our world. It's in your great name we pray. Amen.